Welcome to the Post-Christian Podcast. Our goal is to reframe, simplify, and focus on our mission to make disciples in a post-Christian culture. We discuss reaching new people and raising up leaders while removing the barriers of churchianity. I'm Eric Bryant, one of the executive pastors at Gateway Church in Austin, author of Not Like Me, and resource provider at ericbryant.org. Well, I'm excited to have with me a good friend, Mike O'Quinn. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Eric, because I get to hang out with you this afternoon. Well, this will be I've fun. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we didn't know each other back in our days at uh, Baylor University, but we met each other more recently when you lived in Austin. And before that, you were, uh, along with your wife, uh, in church planning, community development in Southeast Asia, teaming up with some friends of ours that are, are mm-hmm. part of an amazing school. And uh, what I wanted to just start with, because a lot of your work has been with people who are not in a post-Christian context, but you said something to me that was really interesting. You said, it is much harder to talk about my faith in Austin in a post-Christian context than it was to help people who had no Christian background, maybe coming from a Muslim background, animist background, uh, helping folks with a pre-Christian worldview start looking at and even following Jesus. Talk about that for a little bit, if you don't mind. Sure, I'd love to. Well, um, we were in Indonesia for 14 years, which is the world's largest Muslim nation. And it almost felt honestly like being back in the 1950s in the U.S. where everyone was supposed to be religious or wanted to be religious, or there was this feeling like people really want to go to heaven. So as we engaged with Muslims, you're starting with there is a heaven and a hell and I want to go to heaven. So you're not just this big blob of, you know, whatever religion you found here and there and something from the Internet, you know. So and and it was amazing. They would follow a script like we had this uh, gospel presentation we learned from people who were seeing breakthroughs in central Java. And and even when teams would come over, I would give them this script and the people on the other end, the Muslim would would follow the script, you know, because they there's such a, a common belief system. It would be really would be like going back to 1950s or like when you're growing up in small town, Texas. And, you know, there is everyone was sort of on the same page in a way. So it's really easy to engage it, and we would just kind of start from there. But you're, believe it or not, you're starting with a very similar basis of, uh, you know, there's there there is eternity, and I want I want to please God. So you're starting that that foundation. Well, and when you say they would follow the script, it's almost I assume what you're saying is whatever you would say, almost every single person you're talking to responded with the same thing. Yes, we'd say, hey, how do you, you know, because they'd start off with. Uh, you know, Indonesia, it's, it's, there's a freedom of religion. You can be one of six religions um, is freedom that, and you have to be on your identity card. So they're, you know, most of them are Muslims. And, and we would say, as I talk anything about faith, oh, Abdullah, you know, what is your, you know, what's your spiritual background? Oh, I'm Muslim. Oh, and, and they say, oh yeah, but our religions are the same. And they would say, yeah, we all want our sins forgiven uh, by a holy God. How do you do that? And they would share, oh, this is what I do. And they would say, Oh, well, this is what I, in Jesus, I found forgiveness. And then we would ask them these questions and then they would respond. Yes, they would literally follow the script that I had and did this hundreds of times. And it was always funny with teams that we had came over because they would say, wow, they, they follow the script. 
is remarkable. It's hard to imagine that. It's hard to yeah. imagine that. But yeah. but you, you're getting to you know go back and forth with the good news in a gospel in a culturally relevant way to see who is open to the gospel. And, and that's where what's really interesting about you know that statement you made. It's harder to do that here because everybody has created their own version of faith that may or may not be including Jesus right. or Jesus plus this or Jesus was was you know someone wonderful but not who Christians say they are. You know, you you were part of helping reach out to others in Austin. What were some of the pushback, uh, some of the challenges of trying to reach out here as compared to when you were over there in Southeast Asia? Well, you know, uh, so we we were in Indonesia seven years in Austin, then fourteen years in Indonesia, five years back in Austin, now back in Southeast Asia. So we've gotten to check back in and out of Austin and. Um, I would say just, you know, the, the spirituality of everything goes, it's kind of hard to wrap your hands around it sometime. And for people to even have a concept of sin, like I need to be forgiven, I've done something wrong. Whereas the, the Muslims would feel like I'm, you know, I've, I've, I'm fallen, you know, I've, I'm fallen short of God and I, I need to make it up. And they, they have a, you know, bad theology and how to make that up. But I had one Muslim friend, he would, I mean, you, you cannot get away with this in America. He would say, he would just, people would be getting off their motorcycle in the parking lot. He'd say, did you pray yet? Sudashalat? And they would say, oh, no, I haven't prayed yet. You know, that was spiritual. <laughs> right. Could you imagine going up to someone and saying, hey, why aren't you in church, you know, on Sunday yeah. morning? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you made a great analogy. It's, <laughs> so it's, so yeah. just, just try. <laughs> well, you were saying, yeah, yeah. You were saying that, you know, it's more like going back to 1950s America, you know, so where everyone considered themselves a Christian, which is why something like uh, Bill Bright's, you know, Four Spiritual Laws starts with you are a sinner. Like you almost had to convince people in that era that they needed God because everybody's a Christian. We're all Americans. But I found in our generation, it's, it's almost the opposite. They already know they're a sinner. But what they need to be convinced of is they are loved by God. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like in some ways, folks coming from a Muslim background and, you know, Indonesia is the world's largest Muslim country. People, a lot of people don't realize that. But, but you're saying that they start from this, the context of they do know they need God's help. And you're able to offer that help through Jesus in a way that here, Jesus, you know, has a whole bunch of different definitions. Yes. I, I will say that one thing that was similar is that we took some principles we learned in Indonesia and um, of finding a person of peace, finding a person, a fourth soil person that would be open and trying to influence their friends to follow Jesus. And we did that. I remember doing that some apartments uh, in South Austin and meeting someone. Uh, so we were just going door to door, trying to get to know people, trying to start Bible studies in people's apartments in this uh, lower mm -hmm. income community. And I remember someone who knew you, we met, who uh, had gone to Gateway and uh, was like, you know, asking questions of the faith, but they were so right. But I love the, the, the church that is, is, is out in the highways and byways reaching people, but also the, the traditional church is drawing people in and discipling. Uh, but I, very much I started thinking in Austin, okay, I need to think, how would a church planner, a cross-cultural church planner think in Austin? And that is, okay, they're not going to come to my meeting. We, we actually tried that in Indonesia. We had a cafe, cool movie clips. We would get people to come. 
they would sort of be interested, but not really um, for the long haul until we started looking for people of peace, kind of the, the Luke chapter 10 model, and then going into houses and starting Bible studies in people's houses. And that's where we started seeing a lot of fruit. Uh, so I took that same principle from Indonesia to the U.S. and we saw some started seeing some mini breakthroughs in, in some different places. That's great. Well, I'd love to hear some of the stories. I mean, you, you've shared with me before, but share some of the best kind of stories there in Southeast Asia of just sure. the remarkable ways that God is reaching people. Well, great. Well, what I love about, it, you know, we're Christ ambassadors and he doesn't just kind of send us out and say, good luck guys, but he is, he is with us. You know, even in the great commission, he said, I'll be with you always. That's, that, that's the thing we just kind of zip by in the great commission. All things are from him, through him, and to him in Romans 12. So we're with Christ in mission, not just on mission for him, away from him. And so if you have that perspective, then you're, you're in the harvest looking for people that he's drawing to himself. You know, Jesus said, no one comes to me unless the father who sent me and it draws him or enables him. So with, with, with that in mind, we started, hey, God's at work in here. We're not begging God to do something he doesn't want to do. There are people. So we started going instead of just trying to get people to come to our meeting, which is very hard. A Muslim does not want to come to a Sunday morning church. I've tried. It's just really hard. <laughs> uh, you know, so we said, OK, let's go and just look for where God is at work. And it was so cool to meet so many Muslims who had dreams of Jesus. It just blew my mind. You know, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd be talking to people and they would say, oh, yeah, uh, I had this dream. It was a, and it was very similar. It was always a man with a white robe, a very bright face, a beard, and smiling. And I say, you know, what did he say? He didn't say anything. He just smiled at me. He beckoned me. And I, I started, it was so fascinating. I started keeping track. And out of the next 100 Muslims that I shared with, I would say about 20 of them had had a dream of Jesus or this white being. And um, I think, you know, I was a little perplexed by that. It's like, Jesus, why not close the sale here? You know, why are you just smiling and beckoning people? And, you know, then I read that uh, we have the ministry of reconciliation, right? In second Corinthians, it's not, you know, even a, and, you know, being in a dream or Jesus appearing, we have that ministry of reconciliation. So um, I started just being thankful that it, it, it helped us find people who were open and they didn't always say yes to Jesus, but as we would, you know, it was sort of my my go-to evangelism pickup line. Before we did the other script I told you about, we'd be like, hey, have you ever had a dream of a man in a white robe? Very strange question to ask. And when they would say, you know, I had one guy say, I had that dream three times. Yeah. Wow. Like, who is that? And and then say, so you just open up revelations. Like, well, here he is. He loves you. You know, God is a gift to the whole world. One man who came to faith, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you his story um, a little bit. But he, uh, afterwards, he goes, he had this really stunning revelation, and and we were going to have this training with with Muslim background believers and Christian background believers together. How those two subcultures in Indonesia would mix, and he said, you know what? Jesus didn't just come for Muslims; he came for all religions. So basically, yeah, let the Christians come to this. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's like, awesome. Yeah, yeah, all religions. It's not just for Muslims. You know, in his mind, like, Jesus came for Muslims. Wow. And then he kind of thought, yeah, you know, other religions too. Okay, 
So then I'll tell you two stories and uh, you got me on my storytelling mode here. So you can hit the uh, timeout button here. So um, me and a buddy are going in these slums and, and again, we're, we're, we're learning these principles from this team in central Java that's having breakthrough. And we're saying, let's give it a shot. What we're doing is not working. You know, we're beating our head against the wall. And, and so let's try something new. So I had another teammate who wanted to do some ministry down in the slums with this, um, this uh, community of people who were trash diggers. They would, they were kind of like door to door trash diggers. They go through, dig through garbage, looking for what they could sell glass or whatever. And they bring it back to this little shanty town. And then their houses, they, they fill their houses like dirt shore, dirt, dirt floor shacks with, with the garbage that they want. Like one will be like water bottles to the ceiling and everything. So polluted river behind it. You just get the picture. So we go, me and my buddy go and, uh, we're kind of sharing and and there's there's a guy who is seems interested and I, I'll call him uh, uh, I'll call him Pre and then there's another guy Poro who uh, is is not interested. One is interested, one's not interested. Okay, so uh, sharing and um, the guy who's not interested it just kind of gets in my face. He's really obnoxious and he's kind of in a typical Muslim objections and like kind of what are you doing here why are you trying to christianize us and so it's like oh dang it so uh but this other guy's really open but if if i could come back to the open guy then maybe the closed guy's not going to be there okay so another buddy of mine a week later get on a motorcycle go out same place i'm driving and it's like oh crud here's the closed guy again and so so kind of smile, but we meet with the, the open guy and we're in his little, we're in his little, little, uh, set the scene here, his little shack. And there, the, the walls are just discarded canvas boards that he found on the side of the road, dirt floor. There's one little light bulb hanging from a wire overhead. And it's so awesome, Eric, you'd love this. I know you have a heart for the loss so much, but we're reading the story of the prodigal son, uh, and all with this little light. And his eyes are just like lighting up. He's never heard the story of grace before, the prodigal son. And his heart is just so open. So I'm just so excited. Well, leave his house. Closed guy is kind of scowling at me. Well, I leave. And then I realized, okay, if I go back, they're going to think I'm here. Typically, they would think I'm, I'm giving money to Christianized people. So better for my Indonesia partner to go. My Indonesia partner goes, starts discipling open guy. Well, closed guy is listening in and his heart is being transformed. He's sitting outside the window during Bible study time. They don't have glass windows. It's just kind of openings, you know, and God starts touching his heart. Well, this guy, uh, closed guy now becomes super open guy. He he gets freed of a demon. It's, it's a long, crazy story that your listeners probably won't believe, but just <laughs> crazy stuff, stuff coming out of his skin. And, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of, occultism in Indonesia. So, um, uh, he, he is so excited about Jesus. Uh, he casts a demon out of his daughter stuff comes out of her skin, little ambulance that the witch doctor had put in. Um, and he is so bold. Uh, he's going on now on this, now on his little door to door trash collecting business. He is like sharing the gospel started, dozens of groups of people and he's like you can kill me i don't got jesus there's no power greater than jesus i'm look at me i'm free free from my sin and god's given me a future 
And we felt so bad for the guy. He was literally dirt poor. I mean, he had you know, his family is living in squalor. And um, we tried to help him. We thought, well, let's let's give him some money. We don't. We, we got to be real careful with dependence on foreign money. So let's buy him a noodle cart, and this he could go door to door, make a little better money. And then he goes, you know what? If I if I sold noodles, I'd have to wake up early, make the noodles. I'd go slower. I think for the sake of the gospel, it's be better for me to stay a trash digger. You know. <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> remarkable. Then the the uh, the you know slumlord comes down on him. They they have a confrontation. They burn his Bible. Uh, they urinate on the ashes. They say anyone who comes to who follows him or studies the Bible, uh, you're going to get kicked out. And he just kept going strong. Wow. And we were amazed. So we were like, wow, there are people who God has 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 readied. And and they are they can become people of peace or the fourth soil to see a 30, 60, 100 fold. So you got me in storytelling mode, Eric. You can, I love it. Uh, You're a great storyteller. Tell us that other one. I want to hear you it. Can, uh, okay. This is my favorite one because this is uh this blew uh this blew my mind. So this wasn't me, but okay, I got another, I got another friend, um, and uh American guy and his his roommate. So we had a we had a pretty large team. We had uh Indonesians and Americans on it, and so these guys are roommates and they're like both in their twenties and, and the Indonesian guy uh, is, is going to a seminary. And then we have our American team at his, his age. Well, one day the, the Indonesian guy is real stressed out because um, he's got a paper due and he's got to get to campus and he's got to turn this in and he's not ready. So he's like, his paper. And uh, my friend Joe sees him walking out the door and he's so dis- he's, so stressed out, he just doesn't have any clean clothes. So he just has a jacket and, and no shirt underneath. He just zips up his like jacket. He's running out the door. And my friend Joe's like, "Hey, Andy, I'll just call him Andy. You can't, you can't go out there. People are gonna think you're crazy. You can't go on campus like that, you know." He goes, "I don't have anything to wear." And Joe says, "Here, I've got, I've got a shirt." He finds a white shirt, tosses it to him. Andy puts on the shirt, jacket over, zips to campus, turns in the paper in the nick of time, and now he's going home. Okay. So he's going home. Now this guy is a bold evangelist. I, we, we would, we would have these accountability meetings and it's like, how many people did you share with this week? You know, we, I feel like I had a good week, like, you know, five people and they'd be Andy starting. He'd be like four, you know? <laughs> so this guy was like, it was gangbusters. Okay. So this is him. He's driving back home and Indonesians hate to get rained on. They just, it rains there. It's rainy season, but they hate it. They would just wait under an over, under overpass until the rain stops and he's coming home it starts raining oh crud so he just pulls his motorcycle under the carport of some random person's house and he's just standing there waiting for the rain to stop well an older couple sees him and indonesians are extremely hospitable and gracious so they say oh this poor guy's why don't you come in you know have some tea and he's like okay so sweet old couple he's sitting there and he's like hey he's having tea waiting for the rain to stop I'll share the gospel, you know, and he's really good at it. And, uh, you know, in Indonesian, which helps too. So (laughs) yeah, he's, uh, he starts going into kind of a culturally relevant way for them to understand the gospel. And they are like, they're eating it up. They're just, yes, I want this. And he's kind of surprised like, Whoa, they're really, and he's like, well, Hey, you know, one step of obedience, I pray to receive Christ. And one step of obedience is, is baptism, would you be ready to do that? They're like, yes, right now. So, okay, well, go in their little back room. Like a, they don't really have a full bathtub. It's like a water tank. And they kind of like 
crunch in there and baptize him right there. And, 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 and then Andy's like, wow, you guys are just so open. And then the man, the older man says, I got to tell you a story. He said a year ago, I had this dream and this white bean, a beard and, and just glorious beam, bright beam came to me. And he was so glorious and, and terrifying that I hid my face from him. I just said, oh, I couldn't bear to look. And he said, about six months ago, I had a dream and the same being came to me and he got a little bit closer. I got a little more courage. I looked up at him and I just still got so scared. I had, to, I had to turn my face down. And he said, last night I had a dream that same bright being came to me. And I, he was so wonderful, but so terrified that I got my courage and I looked up at him and he looked at me and he said, tomorrow I'm sending you someone who will wear a white t-shirt. I want you to listen to what he says. Mm, wow. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Wow. yeah so amazing. I, that, that just, just the, the Lord, you know, God so loved the world. He's, yeah. he's not sending us out there on our own and he's at work and, and, oh. And if we believe that the pressure is not all on us to find the perfect strategy every time, but to just kind of look for where he's moving. Mm. And uh, it was really fun. It was really fun living there. We, we miss Indonesia. We're in another country now in Southeast Asia, but we miss it and just love to have front row seats of seeing what God is doing among the unreached. I love it. Well, I, I so love these stories. They're so inspiring. You're inspiring and you're a great storyteller. And actually you are also an author. Uh, speaking of being a storyteller, uh, your newest book, Unearthing Heaven. In fact, you can find out more at unearthingheaven.com. You also have Java Wake and Growing Desperate. Share a little bit about each of these books, kind of the, the goal of each of these books and how they're helping other people, how they can help even those listening. You're very kind, very kind, Eric. And uh, you were a part of the story, the third book, and I'll, I'll say that. But um, the, the first two books, yes, yeah, so we lived in Indonesia. And going to uh, Bali sometimes, it was a 12-hour drive on vacation and just all these people sitting around pools reading novels. And I thought, huh, what if there's a way to reach people through a novel? So I, I tried to write a non-cheesy novel uh, about a business traveler in Indonesia who gets kidnapped and kind of forces him to answer the deeper questions in life with a lot of kind of my love letter to Indonesia it's called Job Awake. That was a lot of fun to write. It took a long time. Second awesome. book is about God meet, growing desperate about God meeting us in the broken places of our life. Came out of a place of brokenness in my own life. Four years in Indonesia, had a um, you know diagnosis of, of our, our son having special needs, and Steph and I's marriage wasn't in a great place. And then our team was having a lot of dysfunction, and I was just desperate, crying out to God. So that book came out of a very David Psalms kind of a place of desperation and then different categories of desperation and how God meets us, not only meets us, but sends into so into a world of desperate people. Mm. So the third book, you're part of this story. Okay. I found myself, I've got a blog and um, kind of kept writing about this theme. And the theme is uh, the judgment seat of Christ, which is there, there's, there's two verses, there's two kind of central verses about that, that concept. And that's a place of honor and reward for believers, not, not the great throne judgment, you know, of Revelation 20, but this is a, a place of, of honor for believers. It's like the, it's, it's not a place of punishment. It, it, it's like the proud coach on awards banquet night. He's looking for what he can reward. And it's supposed to give us goosebumps and make us long for eternity. But pretty much believers have thought, 
you know what? I don't need to be rewarded. No, that's weird. Or that's unspiritual even. And we don't ever think about rewards. So I started taking a poll and I, you know, when I would teach on the subject on the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema, um, you know, how many of you have thought about your rewards in heaven uh, in the last year? I'll put you on the spot, Eric. You're, I'm going to add you to my poll here. What, how much, how much in the last year have you thought about your reward in heaven standing before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ or the different crowns of the New Testament? Have you thought about that at all? You know what? I have not until I read this book. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I'm a little okay. bit, uh, yes, I, I actually did. And that's what I loved about the book. It really made me think in ways I hadn't been thinking about. Wow. Well, that's so encouraging to hear. Well, I got that messaging in college back when we were young pups back at Baylor. And, and I was like, I never heard this before. I haven't kind of seems boring, you know? And honestly, like John Eldred says, the church service that never ends, you know, we're just going <laughs> to sing, sing hymns for 10,000 years. Like, oh boy, uh, that sounds fun. Uh, so I, I just started seeing this and looking into the scripture. So I started writing blog posts about it, different ways to look at the judgment seat of Christ. And again, to see the smile on the face of Jesus, to hear him say, well done. This is supposed to motivate us. And it used to motivate his early followers. And somehow we've lost that that treasure chest of life motivation along the way. So I kind of want to rediscover it. So back to four years ago, I'm writing these blog posts and I'm in a writing group with you and some other guys and we're meeting down at HEB Central Market in South Austin. And I was like, I don't know, guys, I'm kind of thinking about doing another book. And I, I just took all these blog posts and I kind of stitched them together and brought them to you guys. And, and, and you were so encouraging. You said, yeah, Mike, you should, you should go for this, you know? And I was like, okay. Uh, you know, I, and you definitely have that gift of encouragement on your life, Eric. I know so many people say that about you. And so I said, okay, I'm going to start working on it. So then, now this is four years ago. I start poking around. I don't really get serious until um, we get back in Indonesia. Um, and and then I'm just sort of, maybe I'll work on it. And then, you know how books go. I mean, it takes a lot of determination to get across the finish line. So we're in a, um, my wife and I are, are with our kids and, and we go off one night to a little getaway in Bali. And we're walking down this beautiful beach, water crashed against the rocks, this place known for surfing. And then I come upon this house that is, is like exposed to the elements. It's a half finished house. It had never been finished, but it would have been a beautiful house. And the view is amazing, but really hard to get to the house. There's rusty nails, there's broken down stuff. And I was like, this house is amazing. There's like no one around. And I just climb inside the house, you know, a little trespassing, but I don't think anyone owned it anymore. So I'm just sitting there enjoying this view. And I thought, wow, this is such an amazing view. It's too bad. It's so hard for people to enjoy this. And I just felt the Lord said, that's your book. Like you've got to work to finish it so that other people can experience this view. If you want people to have a view of eternity, it's on you to finish this book. And I was like, okay, mm -hmm. So I just started working a little bit every day, and we've had a lot of transitions since that time. We've moved uh, 25 times, three different countries. You know, we have been on the on the move. But I just, wow. even if it's 100 words a day, you know, for any of your listeners, got that little book project. Just a little bit is better than nothing. You know, even yeah. one sentence. That's you know, right. That's so working. good. So now I have a joy uh, to to get to, to see it released. Here's the, 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 I, you know, this feeling you get the uh, proof copy. So this just came 
It's unearthing heaven, why tomorrow's reward matters today. Unfortunately, it's got this subtitle. I'm going to get off. It says not for resale. Uh, (laughs) So that will, that will change. You get the proof copy. Uh, But yeah, Eric, you were, and you gave me some good feedback and, but just your gift of encouragement, man, it really amounts a lot. So I'm super excited uh, about this. Four different crowns of the New Testament, the two analogies Paul used, why, why feeling honored by God is so awkward for us. And what do we do with that? And how do we tap into that? And how the, how a view of eternity even helps us overcome common struggles. And then like your, your, your pastor, you know, John Burke just, or your, your, I guess, director, I don't know the right title, but um, he, uh, you know, he, you, you encouraged me to read his book, which was really significant for this book. And uh, I talked to someone here yesterday in Orlando who had a near-death experience. Her daughter had a near-death experience and was telling me about it. I said, you've got to read this book called, called Imagine Heaven by John Burke. Wow, uh, great. She was like, she was crying and it was powerful. Anyway, wow. so I'm grateful for that book recommendation and your encouragement. And at the very beginning of this journey, almost four years ago, you saying, Hey, Mike, go for it. So thank That's you. So great. That is good. Well, that, that group was very encouraging. And I, and I loved how you pulled, you pulled us together. Really. You were the ones that, that you were the one that actually encouraged us to, to meet up and, and spur each other on unearthingheaven.com. Check it out. I'm really excited about this, Mike. Keep up the great work. Thanks for the stories. Thanks for inspiring us. And just again, thanks for your time today. Thank you, Eric. So appreciate you. Thanks for joining us on the Post-Christian Podcast. More resources available at ericbryant.org.